0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Danny, I'm Grant. This is The Fan. Taking you up to 6.30 tonight. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 2 as we get you as close as we can to as many of the candidates as possible the commanders are talking to in the GM and head coaching vacancies that they've got. And we'll continue our quest to do that tomorrow at 2. On the line is Odyssey NFL insider Mark Schlereth. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice, Men of Skin 2. Mark's also the host of the Stinking Truth pod, covering the entire NFL. Make sure to follow Stinking Truth podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark, it's been a crazy show here. We had the Pete Carroll news, which we'll get to that he'd been fired. He's no longer going to be the head coach in Seattle. But that is the runner-up in terms of football news today. How about Nick Saban stepping down as head coach at Alabama to retire? What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, yeah. you know, I just heard that myself, which I was uh, fairly shocked about. I mean, obviously, he's had an unbelievable coaching run, and the guy's been doing it forever. So, I mean, I understand it. But I guess it's just one of those things you didn't expect because, In Alabama, they just continue to reload. They just get the best talent, you know, just the best overall athletic talent year in and year out. So they're always going to have a chance to be in that final four um, and compete for a championship. So, yeah, I was fairly shocked about that. I mean, to me,
0: and I looked it up, I didn't realize he was 72, Mark. I thought he was in his 60s, not that that's – you know, someone like our producer, who's in his twenties, but still, I, I just I thought he would just have another dozen years or so, just because he seemed to have this never ending source of energy. I, I wonder if the landscape changing maybe affected him. And it's obviously speculation, but just what do you think of that? As as college football is kind of changing before our eyes, we might see some of this old guard say, "You know what? This isn't fun anymore."
2: Yeah, I mean, I can understand that too. I mean, I understand, and I, I think you know we'll continue to see this thing evolve, but. I mean, the bowl games are worthless, right? I mean, did you watch yeah. any of the bowl games? Hey, making his first start. Hey, this guy making his first start. Hey, this guy's transfer portal. Hey, this guy's not here anymore. Uh, they just seemed completely and totally worthless to me. So, you know, expanding the playoff to 12 teams is going to be much better, obviously, but yeah, you may not like that either. You may not like the, uh, you know, the whole transfer portal aspect of, hey, when the going gets tough, you just pack up and find somewhere else to play, which, you know, I don't particularly like that either, but um uh, But anyhow, that's the world we live in right now. So, you know, who knows? Who knows what? I mean, he's 72 years old. He's been doing it forever. I can understand why he wanted to get, you know, why he wants to be out.
1: Mark Schlereth on Grant and Danny here on the fan. We're going to look ahead to the uh, playoff games this weekend, six of them over three days with Mark in just a moment. Let's get to the other news of the day on the coaching side, though, and that is that Pete Carroll Was fired by the Seahawks. He'd been there since 2010. They'd had a lot of success. They'd never won fewer than seven games two times. He coached in a Super Bowl. They won one of them. Uh, What'd you make of that?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they. I I think they're kicking him to the front office to be kind of some type of consultant. But I actually was surprised by that one too. I mean, Pete Carroll has plenty of energy. I did. You know, I've done several of their games over the course of years, and then I did their preseason. They asked me to come out and do their preseason, so I spent like three or four days, I guess two or three days, uh, in the Seahawks facility, kind of just going through stuff and watching it, you know, watching it transpire. And I, I will tell you, Pete Carroll has all kinds of energy. Um, he creates, you know, creates an exciting atmosphere for the guys to compete in, and um, and I was surprised by that one, too, because it certainly has nothing to do with his age or his ability to coach or his ability to, you know, to continue to to have a team that stays energized. So that one surprised me as well. So going back over the
0: years with Pete Carroll, Mark, just it's basically you can book him for double-digit wins until these last three seasons where they've kind of run aground or kind of middle of the pack, either barely making the playoffs or just missing it. I wonder if there's some kind of conversation about, direction of the franchise. Hey, AK, maybe we need to reboot and he's not want to wait around for that or, or, something like that. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, definitely think that there are those conversations. I know that he and John Schneider, their GM, have a really tight relationship. John has done a really good job of kind of rebuilding and rebooting that organization. Um, but, you know, again, you just, you just never know where they, you know, where they want to go, where they see themselves in the future. Um And if Pete Carroll wanted to go down that road, I mean, you know, maybe Pete Carroll doesn't want to draft a quarterback and try to develop a guy, especially the quarterbacks that are coming out in the national football or coming out of college right now. Um, Most of those guys, you know, I would say a fair amount of those guys don't play an NFL style of football. So there's a big learning curve there as well. So, you know, I don't know what his thought process was in that and what the Seahawks thought process was in that, but it seems to be amicable in that they, they keep reporting that he's going to bump up to the front office and help out. So um, anyhow, we'll see exactly how that transpires out over the next couple of days. But uh, what a, if it's over, then it's a great run by Pete Carroll.
1: Well, we had John last week, Mark, and we asked you, you know, if you could hire basically one head coach this cycle, who it might be, and you highlighted Ben Johnson of Detroit. I'm wondering if, if Mike Vrabel becoming available changes that at all for you and just what your thoughts are on Vrabel because the Titans blowing him out yesterday. They're one of seven teams now looking for a coach, Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, Panthers, Raiders, Seahawks, and Titans. So seven teams, and we're still waiting on word of what happens in New England.
2: Yeah. um, You know, Vrabel Vrabel is interesting because Vrabel has done it over the course of the years without, uh, you know, without an elite-level quarterback, so to speak. I mean, he has done it. They have won consistently. Um, Especially in his first four years or so in the league, they've won consistently with Tannehill, and you know they even had Mariota there for a little while. So um, until Tannehill replaced him, so they have done it without that. Traditionally, hey, we got to have a quarterback, we got to have the, you know, the franchise guy. They've really done it without that, and they've done it by controlling line of scrimmage. And in Washington, there, you know, I would tell you that, I mean, you can draft wide receivers all day long. Um, That's great. You know, they're fun to look at, but. They don't, to me, they just don't, that's not what wins in the National Football League, especially in these crunch games. It's your ability to dominate a lot of scrimmage, your ability to control both lines of scrimmage. So, um, you know, and and I think they did that on the defensive side of the ball. But last year, of course, they moved on from Sweat. They moved on from Chase Young. Uh, The edges of that defense were a little bit weak. But I just never felt like they truly dominated a line of scrimmage. Um, and so Vrabel would certainly fit the bill there because that's how he's won in Tennessee all these years.
0: Mark Schlereth with us here on Grant and Danny. So we talked about coaching, kind of what you were looking for. And, and that, as Grant said, you had, now we're Vrabel, talked about Ben Johnson last week. For the GM part of things, what would you be looking for now? I mean, Because th- it's now almost like these two schools, right? It's you know, the football scout that's come up that way, organizational, versus you know, the guy that's looking at all the data and trying to find best practices. What would you look for in a GM?
2: Look for a guy that can look at film and, um, and knows what he wants, has a philosophy, um, com- you know, is complete and completely connected to the head coach um, so that they can build a plan together. And, you know, and I just think that's what it comes down to. You can sit there and tell me about analytics and tell me about this, that and the other, but the bottom line is, you got to have guys that are football players and, you know, and easier said than done. But, um, but that, that to me is the biggest part is, what guys, what guys can go out there and play on a consistent basis? What guys have the most likelihood of transitioning from you know college football to the NFL? And I think that's the big trick is figuring out who those guys are. And so you know, there are certain teams I look at that have parameters of the guys they want to draft. Like if you look at San Francisco, every guy on their roster at the linebacker position has the same kind of makeup, the same kind of build. You know, they can flat run sideline to sideline. They're physical. Um, they they tear people up. But the bottom line is they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. And they really have a good sense of what they're trying to go after and the kind of players they want at those positions. So, you know, you just have to have somebody that's in lockstep with the head coach and they're in this thing together. And, you know, they're very tightly wound that way.
1: Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend. Body wash providing exfoliation plus 24-7 moisturization because men have skin, too. Mark Schlereth on Grant and Danny. Two games on Saturday. Let's start with those very, very different matchups, I'd say. Browns-Texans feels like it could be pretty low scoring. Obviously, C.J. Stroud and Houston have been able to make explosive plays in the passing game. Then you got the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Uh, Neither of these two teams coming into the postseason is playing maybe at the level it wants offensively. Miami's been super banged up on both sides of the ball. Kansas City rested its starters. Uh which of these two games jumps out at you as one that you think could be ultra entertaining?
2: Um well I, I mean I think Kansas City and uh, Kansas City and Miami ultimately looks like the most entertaining game to me simply because they all have, you know, dynamic playmakers and obviously you've got Tyreek Hill coming back to Kansas City where he got his start. Um so I mean that's the one to me that seems Seems to be the most exciting, if you will. Um, I think the Browns are just a better football team than the Texans. I think the Texans will get exposed in that game. But, you know, that's why they play those things. But lots of great matchups, no question. But I would say that that Kansas City game, and I usually don't like the the flip-the-switch mentality. I don't believe in that. But Kansas City just feels like a team that can just flip the switch at any time offensively and start to produce. Defensively, this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had since he's been there. So I feel like, I feel like Kansas City is going to be a real tough out in the AFC.
0: Mark, we know the one seeds in both conference, right? San Francisco and Baltimore, respectively. Who are some lower-seeded teams that you think could end up in a conference title game or, or even a Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, I think the Bills on the, in the AFC. The Bills, um, dynamic, obviously offensively dynamic. When they were 6-6, six and six, you know, it was routinely, it was just routine for, uh, for Josh Allen to have 40, 45 attempts in a game. And that was nothing and, and you know he just plays too much hero ball he just there's not a window that he doesn't think he can fit it into you know he'll throw it into a team meeting not even think twice and since since they fired their offensive coordinator replaced him with joe brady um they have been they have been much more judicious in the way they call the passing game they've run the ball with a lot more frequency um they've dropped those passing attempts from in the 40s down to you know, in the mid-20s, and so it's really helped them out as an offense and taken some pressure off that defense, so they're a team that scares me in the AFC, and then I think the Rams uh, are a team that nobody truly wants to play in the NFC. You look at the way they're playing on the offensive side of the ball right now, and I will tell you, they're playing at a Super Bowl level on the offensive side of the ball. They've gotten their offensive line back together. Um, they started running the ball, you know, they were 3-6 and six at their bye, and went and went 7-1, uh, and one, I believe, down the stretch, and tell you what, Matthew Stafford's playing. He's a Hall of Famer. He's playing at a Hall of Fame level. Um, Offensively, they're really good. Special teams, they've been atrocious. Uh, And defensively, they're just good enough. You know, they've got Aaron Donald, who's a superstar. But they've got a bunch of young, rising players like Kobe Turner. Uh, Bobby Brown is a really good young player. They've got a guy by the name of um, uh, Brian Young. Uh, Brian Young is a really good young player. Um, Quinton... Oh gosh, uh, Quentin Lake. He was the son of uh, Carnell Lake, a really good young player. So they got a bunch of rising players, and they've got one superstar that you're going to have to contend with.
0: Mark ultimately, as this journey goes on in the, in the postseason, like the league has changed so much in terms of offense. The league has changed so much, uh, you know, in terms of point scoring and the emphasis with all the head coaching and things like that. Is there a team that's not built that way again? Kind of along the similar lines that we're talking about the Bills on offense, the Rams on offense. One of these maybe defensive first teams that might surprise some people.
2: Uh, I don't. You know, I don't know about defensive first teams. Um, you know, the, the two defenses that are the best both have the number one seed. So you know, I mean, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any. You know, any question with Baltimore and San Francisco as good and as talented as they are. Um, they're really, you know, they're really that good. But those two seem to have the best defenses overall, um, and and the ones that really lean on that defensive side of the football.
1: Mark Schlereth on Grant and Danny. With us, a couple more moments here on the fan. Uh, the Eagles had such a rough finish to their season. They're playing the Bucks in a five-four matchup at Raymond James on Monday Night Football. Still feels like they are favored in the game that they should win that game. But I'm just curious, A, what you think happened there, that they completely fell apart down the stretch, and B, if they were to lose that game and and the season kind of collapses in on itself the way that it has, like, where are you thinking and how they would pick up the pieces? Where do they go from there?
2: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that are speculating that Nick Seriani would be gone. and You know, you lose both your coordinators. I just really think that they have lost their ability to play complementary football. And one thing I'll say about Nick Sirianni, you know, he when he gave up the play-calling duties and gave them over to Shane Steichen, who is now the head coach in Indianapolis, one thing I've talked to multiple people about, both coaches and players, about how Shane Steichen just makes offense easy for the quarterback. He just has a way of simplifying things and making the quarterback see it from a, a different perspective. And, you know, I'm not so sure that, that – that's not the biggest missing piece in Philadelphia right now. And because of the lack of continuity on the offensive side, because those things haven't gone well offensively for them, you know, they're a defense that had led the league in sacks last year, had over 70 sacks, and um, played exceptionally well. And they're just not the same group on the defensive side of the ball. So I think all those things, the complementary nature, um, of offense and defense and how one feeds the other has been lost in Philadelphia. And it certainly has taken its toll on that football team.
0: Mark, always great to catch up, man. Appreciate the time. You got to Take care.
1: There's Mark Schlereth with us on Grant and Danny here on the fan, his weekly appointment and Odyssey NFL insider insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin too. Uh, we can get back into the playoff games in just a moment, but, You guys heard us ask Mark about this right at the beginning of the conversation. The huge news back half the show here today. Nick Saban retiring from the University of Alabama. You're seeing reaction now from all over the sports landscape and all over college football. Deion Sanders took to social media, said the game changed so much it chased the goat. Uh, I think there is something to that, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of an odd thing, I thought, that he tweeted you know, rather than more giving him his flowers. But point being, a lot of the guys that have been around for decades in college football are not going to have as much fun doing it this way. Re-recruiting players, guys transferring, the portal being wide open, a free agency. And if you're Nick Saban, you won seven titles. Yep. You got a couple hundred wins under your belt. You retire as maybe the greatest coach of all time. And you get to go make ten to fifteen million dollars a year at ESPN if that's what you want to do, why deal with it? Seriously. Now it's easier said than done because it's all you know and it's what you love. Yeah, you
0: you you deal with it because it's actually something you're addicted to. You know what I mean? Like that that drug of building the roster, competing, going up against the best, and there's no competition like it, right? And and that's why some a lot of these guys will come back, you know, past their prime. But man oh man, regardless, the I, I don't think we properly appreciate This And and I've I've talked about this a couple other times. Like, I know it always sounds disrespectful to kind of like the black and white era when we didn't have good television and and it wasn't sort of set up the way that it is now. But in these eras where there's just more talent, you go around the world for talent now. It's everybody has grown up watching these games and these sports. um, And and at the highest levels, there's just more good players. There's more great players. And to have the run that the New England Patriots did for basically 20 years where half the AFC title games they were in and they won all those Super Bowls in an era and a league that's basically about turnover, where the roster iterations of the guys that Tom Brady was throwing to or who was protecting him. It's just remarkable that the longevity and excellence was that long. Similar here, where you don't have a franchise quarterback to make it easy for you for 15, 16, 17, 18 years. The net, it's necessary that The roster turns over by 30, 40, 50% every single year because of eligibility requirements and the classes. It's unbelievable how good they've been. So, think of the number of times where you see something, if you're really religious about following college sports, you go, Oh, look at this. We got a top eight recruiting class, top three recruiting class. And then something happens where this guy busts out, or this guy's not who we thought, or this guy gets hurt, or this guy fails out of school. Whatever. The million things happen. Just doesn't seem they're susceptible to it. Again, eight out of the out of the ten college football playoffs that they had because they had ten of them, they were in eight. Alabama was what a run.
1: One of the things I'm seeing a lot of is Michigan fans taking a victory lap as if they drove the stake <laughs> right. through Nick Saban. <laughs> I I was not aware of this. Michigan fans are really insufferable. Uh huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I I have and I have buddies who are Ohio State fans. But to me, Ohio State in that rivalry, and it's probably just because they wore the pants over Michigan, but they were the ones that I kind of rooted against because I thought, I can't continue to hear. I can name every Ohio State fan I know in the media. You know, they're just over the top and a lot to deal with. I mm-hmm. can't do it anymore. So I, I just know that the last as many as maybe five, six, seven years, I kind of rooted for Michigan in that rivalry. It's flipped because I don't love Jim Harbaugh, I'll find him likable.
0: Yeah, again, it's Yankees Red Sox. They're, they're, no, they're no heroes. Totally.
1: But I think I'm willing to say already, and it's only been what 48 hours since they won the Natty. I think Michigan fans are way more annoying than Ohio State fans.
0: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The, the The recent they were, it was hard to find them. It's been a lot for a while, man. Yeah, during during Lloyd Carr times and uh, you know some of the other dudes that were there. Sure. They were they're sort of laying in wait now that they've got a little swagger to them. There's a little strut. I think a national title will do that for you. But that's true. I, I
1: guess Ohio State has not won a recent enough national title for me to to have it, you know, top of mind necessarily. But it's just been so loud and obnoxious. Yeah. Generally, it takes a couple of these before you start to go, all right. That team cannot win anymore. Like I still find the Warriors pretty likable. How many times have they been in the NBA Finals? How many championships? And I'm not out on them yet. Uh, it's a little boring at times. Mm-hmm. It's changed the last couple of years, obviously, but. One title, one two days, and I'm
0: going, good on Michigan. Yeah, I'm good. I'd love for someone else to step up.
1: (laughs) But that's the new bit is is they're claiming basically that Harbaugh was the man that ended Saban's run.
0: Slayed the dragon.
1: Not sure that that's exactly uh, what played out here. The other huge news of the day, up a level to the National Football League. Pete Carroll fired by the Seattle Seahawks. So yesterday it was Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. Today it was Pete uh, Carroll which means there are seven head coaching openings now. Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, Panthers, Raiders, Seahawks, and Titans. Commanders today spending the afternoon interviewing multiple GM candidates, including Ian Cunningham and Alec Hallaby of the Bears and Eagles, respectively. We'll be back at it at 2 o'clock tomorrow to discuss the latest with the Commanders.
0: One final time at Rudy's Golf, my friend.
1: That's right. Can't wait to
0: share it with you. Let's eat some buffalo wings. Together. And go to Rudy's.
2: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day.
0: Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Oh, oh,
2: oh, alright.